As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The View from the Lane, the Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. I'm Danny Kelly, and I'm joined by um, uh, the, the Athletic's Tim Spears and... Uh, James Moore, who's also from The Athletic, um, on the menu today, uh, the fallout from the Liverpool game, um, uh, Son Hoon Ming's eye socket. You see, that's that's what it's like when you start really badly at something. Attention, <laughs> Spurs coach, attention. Um, that, let's do that again, how it should do if you hit the ground running in a football match. Should these VAR officials be kept in captivity and not have access to media, like Big Brother, for the, for the course of the season? Then go out in the summer, but for the course of the season. Hello, welcome everybody to the View from the Lane, the Tottenham Hotspur podcast from the Athletic. I'm Danny Kelly, and I'm joined by the Athletics' Tim Spears and James Moore. On the menu for you in the next uh, 30, 40 minutes, the fallout from the Liverpool game, that terrible injury to Son's eye, the Champions League draw, an extended teaser for the new Athletic podcast um, about Shakhtar the Ness call away from home. You see what I did there, Antonio? I got going straight away. And how much how much better it was? You stumbled a little Hello, bit. Hello, James. You stumbled a little bit. Okay. That's natural. Of course, the other team's allowed to to play against you. It's like, <laughs> Am I the other team in this situation? It's not. It's not the old Vic, James. It's a live event. It's a competition. Um, let me just say as well that the Champions League draw, um, which would normally would open with, is actually happening while we're recording. So we'll get to it towards the end of the show. Oh, the drama! Um, welcome as well, Tim Spears, who didn't interrupt my rather tortured joke there at the start. How are you, Tim? All right? Very well, thank you. How are you, Danny? Very, very good indeed. We'll get on to Liverpool in just a second. Just to say, um, I'm a great fan of that ticker that people have up on the internet whenever uh, an ex-Spurs player wins another trophy, well past 100, probably heading for 110 now, um, and another new club has been added to the list. Gareth Bale, of course, won the the MS, uh, the American uh, playoff final um, with... Uh, Los Angeles at the weekend, but but bear in mind he did it by scoring the uh, the equalising goal before the penalty shootout with the last touch of the game, a classic bail header where nobody can rise as high as him in the penalty area. And congratulations to him. Um, anyone else want to congratulate him on, on adding to that? I think it's 109 trophies now. I mean, he probably he must have won a decent number of those. 
Presumably. He and Modric have, and Modric. have, have, have racked You're up. You're doubling up in all those European Cups. You are, of course, yes. You so that's are. like 10, straight off the bat. Yeah, well, I mean, I know how the maths is done. No, I'm not, I'm not criticising, <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, this you know, is going to be a long contribution. Uh, this is going to be a long half hour, and I mean that literally. <laughs> are you aware that we keep a track on this, Tim? As an Ari Vist, as a blow-in to the Spurs world, are you aware that there's this running total kept of the, the number of trophies won by players since Spurs last won them on themselves? Yeah, I've, I've 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 seen it before. Why do Spurs fans, you know, do this to themselves? Surely, you should just ignore it, concentrate on your own team. Well, watch them play. You'll see why. <laughs> once once they're wearing that white shirt, they pretty much remain Spurs for me. So I keep an eye on them. By the way, De- Deli Ali's back on the bench of Besiktas. I'll just say that. Um, I want to talk about the Liverpool game. Any number of ways of looking at this, but bear in mind that it affected me so much. The things I thought about it. I'm not normally this bonkers. Um, this is true. Last night I dreamt that I was discussing the match in intense detail, not with Tim Spears, not with James Moore, not with Charlie Eccleshare, not even with you, dear listeners. I was discussing it with the Jesus and Mary Chains lead singer, Jim Reed, who for some reason, and from what I know of Jim, he has no interest in football whatsoever. Jim was having to listen to my advanced views. We were sat on a sort of country gate and I was telling Jim all about what I thought about the game. Um, that's over-practicing for the podcast. Uh, our colleague, uh, Jack Pitbrook, thought the Spurs played really well. Um, and you could argue, having hit the woodwork twice and been denied what I thought was a stonewall penalty, that that's the argument. I have a different view because of the way they started. Tim, neutral view from you. Um, you reported on it. You were there. What did you make of the game? I thought from the 15th minute onwards, which is when they started playing... It was it was one of the better performances of the season. You know, we have been asking for ninety minute performances. This was as this was as close to that as you can get, I think, from what we've seen in the last two months. I thought they were they were refreshingly positive. They played on the front foot a lot. They got good numbers forward. Yes, every squad has injuries and players missing, but if they'd had their best eleven out, I think I think they would have won that game. Um I was impressed with several individuals. I thought Perisic and Basuma probably had their best games so far in a Spurs shirt or near enough. Um, Kane was very good Kulisevsky really good contribution off the bench I thought Doherty was good off the bench it's just those two well the one really stupid error from Eric Dyer which was a proper hold your head in hands moment he's gone backwards since he got his he has gone backwards he, well, he's, he's, do, he's, do, he's doing sort of one of them a game really two or three of them have resulted in goals and then he's had a few of the really really bad ricks of sort of the Emerson Real sort of level you know he nearly scored that own goal in the Champions League a few weeks ago when he, when he sort of had a shot from 20 yards. Wasn't doing, it he booted the ball over his own head in Marseille to put the ball back into play for for the oppo? I mean, I love Eric. Everything about the bloke. Congratulations on his uh, his engagement last week. But you need to concentrate on heading the ball away, Eric, mate. That, that's all I say <laughs> about that. He's just doing weird things. Again, I think if Romero's there instead of him on that right-hand side yesterday, then that doesn't happen. So... Yeah, it was a strange game. I mean, you know, booze at half time, which Conte was extremely unhappy about afterwards. Um, but I think overall, well, he's got some control over that, hasn't he? Well, yeah, absolutely. I thought over overall there were there were there were quite a few positives to take from it, even in defeat. Um, whereas in, in recent weeks, it's sort of been the opposite after victories. So it was a bit of a strange afternoon, really. James, I can see you pawing the ground there. Go on. Well, I found that booing at half time quite interesting because I, I think it was more a boo of frustration. Like, I mean, oh. obviously, there was a great deal of annoyance at that Eric Dyer mistake, which, which clearly he's just got the angle of that header completely wrong, right? He's kind of headed it upwards rather than backwards. 
But I, I mean, that was the. Uh, this probably this is an incredibly low bar, in fact. But that was the best first half performance from Spurs for how long? Two months at least. I mean, it was kind of chalk and cheese of a lot of the other stuff we've seen in the last few weeks, particularly. Dude, well, I'm going to ask you then, James. Why did it fall to me then to play the James Moore role here? Because <laughs> the start, and I know the selection was difficult for Conte, and I know that he is a great football manager. And I am a twerp sat in, in in a house in Ireland. I wouldn't have picked that that starting eleven. Liverpool's Liverpool's weakness, and every team has its weakness, is behind their fullbacks. So to pick just one forward to play up there and to have no width at all in theory from forward players, I thought it just invited what happened, which was that their fullbacks were just Robertson's starting position for the first twenty minutes until Spurs got their act together. That goal was always coming. Am I wrong? Had 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 they not had another three goes down that side between Eric Dyer and, and Emerson Royal before they eventually got it right? Well, and if I, mean, I can see, you, if I can are, see it, are you asking me whether I think a more attack-minded player should play at right wing back than Emerson Royal? I mean, no. I think I'm I think I'm fairly uh, fairly on record as saying that should be the case. I mean, Sessegnon had. Alexander Arnold pinned back or was exploiting the space in behind him. And we saw, and I will come on to that penalty decision in a minute, but that wasn't yes. the only time he got in behind him and exposed that space. So on the left, I mean, maybe less time in the second half, but certainly in the first half, I thought he got it. He, he did that well. But yeah, you're right. On the right hand side, that clearly, it, that is, that is a, a, a problem with this team. Over uh, the as, course of the season, not just in this game. Um, yeah, as I, uh, that, that's very fair to say. I mean, as I was explaining to Jim Reed of the Jesus and Mary chain last night, um, I would. I mean, I, I was tempted when I saw what, what resources Spurs had left to play four three three, to drop one of the centre backs, um, and to play Perisic wide left and Brian Hill wide right, just to make sure you had somebody giving the, the, the Liverpool fullbacks something to think about. Um, now he's he's never gonna he's never gonna do that. I, I I totally I totally get that. But even so, um, to allow of all teams on God's green planet to allow Liverpool space down you know down the left hand side of their attack, the right side of our defence, it's easy it's easy to be wise after the event. But if you've got five, technically you've got five strung out across the midfield, um, and they can't get to the fullbacks. There's something there was something inherently wrong with the way that they started. You know, between the goals, it's fair to say, Tim, I think you were alluding to this, but between the two Liverpool goals in the first half, they were, I, I wasn't sure how they were doing it, Spurs, but they were, first of all, and, and let's be truthful about this, they were incredibly competitive. They started to win tackles and second balls and stuff, which they did, of course, throughout the second half. As I said, I thought Basuma had his best game, and and him screening, you know, in front of the in front of the defence allowed Bentan Kornhoiberg to push on a little bit further, winning winning balls higher up the pitch. I thought they were supporting the attack pretty well. Perisic was 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 roaming around. Uh, Sessegnon, as James said, you know, pushing Trent Alexander on the back. I thought that was a really good really good battle actually. Um, it's just frustrating with Sessegnon, as with Royale, that the end product just wasn't there at the end of it. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> As James said, like first first half, probably the best since the Fulham game, I think, which was like right at the start of September when that was a pretty good first half. So yeah, to, to hear those boos at half time. Sorry to go back to it, but Conte was Conte was bristling after, about this right. at full time. He, his second question, he was sort of asked about it, <clears throat> and he said, "Yeah, you know, fans pay their money, they can do what they want, but I'm really, really disappointed in it." Um, and then he's then he was asked about Kulisevsky and he just went went back to the booing basically he, he was clearly really annoyed about it and he basically said he needs that passion and that commitment 
and that I guess that sense of unity. He he said he sends, he said he needs that. He needs to feed off it. He needs to feel it, and he called. I mean, he said the word patience probably about fifteen times in in ten minutes. He just he just again points to how where they were a year ago when he joined, how they're rivals in the top six positions have spent more money and have the capability of spending more money and just said he needs time and time and patience and I guess I guess he was saying he didn't understand why the team were booed off at half time. Did you understand it, James? But you know, you don't think it was you don't think it was proper booing. You think it was frustro booing. Yeah, I it, it caught me by surprise, I have to admit. I, and I think had that come off a run of games or had that not come off a run of three matches where they've gone one nil or two nil down in the first half, which has done. I think we're so I think they six is it. it. Yeah, something like that. Obviously, you know, two two well, one nil down at half time at Bournemouth, and obviously they go two nil down early in the second half. One nil down at Manchester United at half time, were they? Or was that nil no, at it was nil nil at half time. Yeah, it's a it's a sick. Okay, well, apart from going behind in games, yeah, exactly. Yeah, starting yeah. start uh, starting slowly and going behind in games. Um, had it not come after all of that, I don't think it would have. I don't think that would have happened. I kind of get it, but I, I, I don't. I just don't think that was a, that was a performance that warranted that. Personally, I can I understand why people are frustrated off the back of everything else that's happened, but to me, it did seem a bit strange when it was really. I mean, I guess I take your point on what you're saying about. Uh, Spurs not putting pressure on those wide players, but I, I didn't. I, ultimately, what cost Spurs in that first half was two individual mistakes, or certainly at least one individual mistake. It wasn't like a completely calamitous performance where they were incredibly passive and and sitting there waiting to be picked off. They were pressing forward. Did you say should have had a penalty? Hit yeah, we'll talk about that in a half, second. Had one or two other chances. Looked way more threatening. Moved the ball. James, way uh, James, it is, but it's it's my same old old. Um, and I'm sorry, people, if I'm if I'm a cracked bell on this. Individual errors are not a part of the game. So push your team forward. Play in the opposition's half, so your individual errors don't matter. Sure. If I you're, get, if you're I, playing I, I, six yards from your own goal, individual efforts are going mistakes are going to cost you. But, but I don't you know, think they were really playing like that in this game. I mean, no, no, no. no. Well, in, they, pre- they, in previous games, I would take that point. They, they and said, and when, they there said, were spe- when there are runs of matches when you're playing like that for 80% mm-hmm. of the game or 80 minutes in every match, you're inviting that. And, you know, we saw when Mourinho was manager when they were playing like that for most of every sure, game. Sure. Like, like you're, you're, in, you're basically you're inviting that. You're like you're playing on the cusp of disaster constantly. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think in this instance that's what happened. I just, I, mean, I, just I, don't, I just didn't. To me, I, that didn't feel I, like a game where Spurs were sat in waiting no, to be picked off. No, no, no. They, once they went behind, but as we, we have to go through the, the 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 statistic again. If you go behind the Premier League, you are not winning many football matches. If you are ending the first half at home with thirty-seven percent possession, you ain't winning those football matches. And I know Antonio, if he was here, bless him, he would say, "Danny, mate, and we're good friends, you and I." Um, and you didn't boo, and I didn't boo. I wasn't there. Um, and uh, he, he was. I have to pick the team like this because I don't want to be going in at halftime two 0 down. And I would sit there and spread my arms wide. They cheered up once they went behind because that, that's apparently, you know, according to Tim, that's what they're planning to do. Now you're getting the blame as well, Tim. Um, and, and on they went. Um, I, I should ask you, Tim, because you wrote a piece in the in the Athletic about um, Antonio Conte's preference for Emerson. Um, just tell people what you think is behind that. Um, you know, he was no, he was no better or worse than he normally is. Um, he got substituted in the end, and perhaps 
your mate. Uh, That's one way of putting it. Um, is that is that a backhanded compliment? Because um, he played okay, didn't he, when we came on against Marseille? Why does he always go for Emerson Royale rather than anybody else at the club? Yeah, you, I mean, you're right. It, it, he did do well against Marseille. He, he, he wasn't he wasn't Emerson Royale, as as I, as I said in the piece. You know, there were no no look passes out of play. There were no shots that that reached out to space. And um, I don't think he was I don't think he was that bad yesterday. I thought no. I thought he was I thought he was okay defensively. Um, I thought you know again talking about the crowd that sort of reached a bit of a, a crescendo. Um, there, I, I don't know if that's happened before. James, you'll correct me, but you know, in terms of the relationship between the the crowd and him, there was there was no patience at all for Emerson Royal yesterday. There, there were there was a lot of frustration whenever he he passed the ball backwards, and obviously that hit that hit, the one hilarious thing he did was that cross, which almost reached the almost reached the corner flag. It was that over hit, and then I did hear some boos when he got subbed off, and it just uh, I, I, I did feel for him actually because you know whenever he was in possession, there was an impatience for him to do something and I thought that affected him and it, uh, it made him go for the safe option more often than not in answer to your question I just think I think I just think he's doing he's doing certain things that Conte wants him to do so he's getting in he gets in good positions in the opposition third I don't think anybody would argue with that he's he's very good at stretching the play at distracting defenders with his presence at running I think where Conte wants him to do Matt Doherty has a tendency to cut inside because that's his preference I think Conte will prefer a right wing back who gets to the byline um some of his numbers compare really well favorably to with his, his other wing backs in terms of tackles in terms of completed dribbles in, including um receiving more passes than anyone else which suggests he's always in 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 a, in a decent position to receive a pass he touches the ball more more than the others in the opposition third he pulls the play he does certain things that Conte wants him to do he's got pace which Matt Doherty hasn't there are a lot of flaws with this guy as we say every single week but i just think there are certain things that he's doing to instruction because Conte is an extremely intelligent man, obviously, and a very experienced and successful football manager. So he's obviously doing things. Royale is obviously doing things that Conte wants him to do. So I don't agree that he's that he's sort of that he's good enough for a, for a top six club. I don't, I, I, I don't think he should be in the Spurs team. I think he's a liability. But I can see certain reasons why Conte picks him. Yeah, and you know, it's not. It's definitely not his fault that uh, Liverpool early in the game had had targeted that space between him and whoever plays right um, centre-back uh, for Spurs. And, you know, it's also not his problem. Um, it's just a fact of life that uh, Robert, Robertson, when he's playing like that, with all due respect to João Cancelo, looks like the best left-back in the, in the league, doesn't he? I mean, that, that is the truth of it, when he's playing like that. What, what changed even more in the second half? Because, they, as I say, they conceded over 60% of possession in that first 45 minutes. Um, can anyone explain to me? Was it just they were more g'd up when they came out? We'll get on to Kulusevski in a second. Um, but they, even before Kulusevski came on, they were clearly um, they were winning the game. They were they were, they were the better team. Although uh, it, when you're two 0 down, being the better team is sometimes a bit easier, isn't it? Because the opposition are prepared to cede a certain amount of the the, the territory to you. What changed? I, I, I think it was intent and attitude. I think Liverpool came out for the second half with a two-goal advantage and were happy to sit a little deeper and play on the counter-attack, which is exactly what they did. So Spurs could play 10, 10, 15 yards further up the field. And to be fair, you know, they, they took advantage of that space and Liverpool were clinging on. You know, the, the Liverpool reporters next to me were sort of amazed that they'd managed to cling on for, for, for a 2-1 win. I thought it was a really spirited and positive second-half display. They just didn't have the players, really to finish those chances off and I think there was a bit of this 
you know you want you want Kane on the end of those chances and too often he was the one trying to create them then Perisic was doing the same I couldn't tell if he was that was he the creator was he the finisher you know that the, there weren't these sort of clearly defined roles that you want in your team who's going to set up the chances and who's going to score them um until until Kulisevsky came on really and then obviously made such a difference for the last um 20 odd minutes just because this is a rather odd version of the podcast insofar as we're going to try and take the Champions League draw or what I suppose is part of it virtually uh, live um I've just seen Alexander Sheffrin on my TV in front of me so clearly they're getting ready but I'll just to let you know the Champions League draw is up and running. I'm sorry, I um, have uh, failed here to mention the penalty before we got to half time. Um, and James, uh, the, the very fact that the same referee who gave that penalty to Manchester City was the VAR didn't give the penalty for the obvious push on Cessignon. Now, look, I grew up in a world where that wouldn't have been even considered a foul. But the world has changed and the rules are the way they are and the interpretation is the way it is. That was a penalty, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, he's running incredibly quickly towards goal, Sessegnon. Trent Alexander-Arnold puts two hands on his back at, or, and leans into him. I mean, by any, uh, by most people's definitions, not just like modern refereeing definitions, that is a that is a penalty. Um, do Do you want to talk about VAR again? Yeah, do if we you need like. to do that again? It, well, no, no, we don't. Um, oh, well, we can talk about the arrogance of officials because the two things tie together, right? I mean, I, I, like the very idea that that hasn't been given as a penalty, basically because they don't see enough of a course to overrule the decision made on the pitch by the referee, yeah. even though it is a penalty. It's not quite unquote not enough of a penalty to overrule the referee. I mean, how is that? How is that a logical system? It's either a penalty or it isn't. It should be kind of fairly binary, right? I, I don't. I don't really see. The, there's no degree of penalty. There's not like red, orange, yellow penalty. And then the most farcical thing about it was he did exactly the same thing. What ten, fifteen minutes later, outside the box. Yes. And he gave gave a foul. It's yeah. extremely similar. Extremely similar. Yeah, that's that's what made it farcical. And I have to say, I, I think what was that like? Twenty minutes into the game. Like so, not long after Liverpool had gone ahead. No, it would have been. It would have been game changer changing. I, I, I honestly think Spurs would have won. I mean, and I Kane has missed a couple of penalties this season, actually. But if he had scored that penalty, I think Spurs would have won that game. Yeah, I, no, I'd be fairly confident in saying that on the basis of what we saw after that in the game, where I, I have to say Liverpool were really, really rocking at the end. I mean, and taking all the attacking players off and like regressing deeper and deeper and deeper. I mean, they were terrified. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be part of that. It's almost a cult, isn't it, where every result that goes against your team is down to the officials. So I'll just take the wider view here um, that, you know, of all the things that were predicted and not predicted with the instruction of VAR, I remember the day it was announced how we were going to do it, I remember my face turning to stone on me. I could hardly speak. The idea that the people who were going to be overseeing the referees was the referees had never occurred to me. In a decade of thinking about technological help for the for the officials, the idea that it would be the same people some weeks in the truck, is there a truck, um, and other weeks, I'm stuck with the image of Andy Townsend, the tactics <laughs> truck, whenever I think about these things. Um, the idea that it would be the same people, it just never occurred to me because it makes no sense at all. It just becomes an exercise in future-proofing your own ass, which I, is what they're only, doing. I can only assume... That the penalty is given is it Darren England was that the official who gave that the, is correct the yeah. yeah he's given the penalty and a red card separate issue of the red card but he's given the penalty on Saturday the scene 
a fair bit of kind of blowback on that. A lot of people saying it was a, wasn't a penalty, it wasn't a red card, it was a harsh decision. I, I'd say that was kind of reaction to that had broadly been kind of 50-50. And then it's decided when the same thing has happened the next day, mm, well, people were unsure yesterday, so let's not give this one. I mean, is that is that what's happened? Has it, has he changed has he changed his stance whether or not it's a penalty in 24 hours based on the reaction to the first one? He may well have done, um, but I thought he got the... I mean, the red card, you say, separate issue. He got the penalty right in, in Manchester and he got it wrong in London. Um, should, the, should these VAR officials be kept in captivity and not have access to media like oh, Big Brother? For, oh, the, for the course of the season, they can go out in the summer. Oh, for I, the course of the season, there's a part they shouldn't of me, be allowed to see... There's a part of me who thinks we shouldn't know who they are at all. They should, they should be, be locked uh, up in Stockley Park like a, Big Brother. A, anonymous they shouldn't civ- be allowed out. Anonymous civil servants who do the work wearing hoods so we can't even see their face when we see the occasional shot of the truck. I mean, because it, it can't be Darren trying to justify what he did yesterday or deconstruct what he did yesterday today at the expense of another football team. Um, but, you know, it, it, and it's no point in saying, um, oh, well, Liverpool scored twice. We all know that the goals change the momentum and the shape and the, the, the whole landscape of a football match. Um, Kuliseski's return, I don't think we, James, uh, Tim, rather, we had to be um, kind of... Um, clairvoyance to know that one of the things that has been Spurs are not doing badly it looks like they'll go to the World Cup I think they can't not be in fourth place they might be in the next round of the League Cup they're certainly in the last 16 of the Champions League we'll get the draw in a few minutes time um, I would have settled for that at the, at the, at the, at the start of the season the trouble is that um, people's expectations change and shift and I don't like the way we're conceding goals and all the rest of it but one thing we definitely did know, and you didn't have to be clairvoyant about it, was that uh, Dejan Kulusevski is one of the critical things that has been going, inverted commas, wrong, not so well in recent weeks, and his appearance proved it instantly. They missed him for 10 matches, which was six six in the Premier League, four in the Champions League. And in those 10 games, they only scored seven goals from open play. Now, they've been, they've been getting through games, and we know they've been relying on set pieces, and they've been doing that really well. But he just offers them, as, as, as we all know, something completely different. I think Spurs have got a lot of sort of linear players who play in straight lines, and he's just, he's just the complete opposite. Um, you know, I wrote a piece about him, which is on, gone on the site this morning, sort of calling him their conductor. That's what it sort of feels like, really. You know, they, 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 they can play, they play decent football without him, but, but he, he, he just makes them tick. He's that link between midfield and attack. He just, th- he just thinks differently to other players. So when he receives that pass yesterday I think from Doherty he's sort of facing towards the corner flag away from goal and Dyer's making an overlapping run and Doherty's there if he wants to to, to give him the ball back for a 1-2 but he just I think you know 90% of of players would, would just return the pass and play it down the flank but he immediately drifts inside opens the play up opens his body up and Kane makes that run because he knows what's coming and he just slips him in I, I thought it was a remarkable impact what was it Nin- 90 seconds after coming on with the with the nature of his injury and the setback that he had because because he initially did try to come back I don't think anyone was expecting him to, to hit the ground running in that way um, it gave everyone a lift it gave the team Clearly, clearly lift the crowd a lift. They've they've sorely missed him. Um, I don't think it reflects too well on the club that that he's so that he's so important to them because there's literally no one else other than him who, who can do things that he does. As Jack said on Twitter yesterday, Spurs can't really score that type of goal without Kulusevski in the team. But it does bode well for second half of the season. I think 
if if him and Doherty can ref- obviously they struck up a really good partnership last season, and if he if they can replicate what they did in the final twenty minutes of the game more often than not in the second half of the season, then Spurs all of a sudden just look a very different team to me. Well, look, uh, every every word you said there is correct, but can I just I, mean, I rarely use this platform or any platform really to have a go at another pundit, but I must special mention. Um, a special mention to to Frank McAvenny, the former West Ham striker, who everyone has to make a living. Frank, I totally get that, but Frank talks utter utter tripe um, about football in, in most of the time. But the new hype was reached um, this week when he said they didn't. He wasn't sure Spurs would um, trigger the final purchase of Dejan Kulusevski. Um, on the grounds that, you know, oh, he's been out injured for a few weeks and uh, they'll have to see if he comes back a, a decent player. I mean, uh, you know, they haven't what? done. They haven't <laughs> done because the the finances don't allow it. And of course, yeah, if it turns out that his leg is broken in six places and he has to play with a Zimmer frame, I can see what you mean. But other than that, it's just, it was, it was, it was doing a bit of doubting Thomas for the sake of it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hatim Altontop, who is their favoured person now for doing the draw, is up there on the stage getting ready to do it. Um, just a note, one win in 20 now against Liverpool, who've been a very, very good side during that time. But come on, Spurs. I mean, Liverpool haven't been the top... I mean, that, that 20 games presumably goes back, what, like nine years or mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's been a couple of cup games. One in particular. Was that, was that just in the league? or? I think I, I, you're, you're, you're testing me now. Um, I think it's, it's Premier League games. Okay, so yeah, 10 years. Um, yeah. yeah, well, they definitely haven't been a good side for all of that time, have they? They definitely had a few iffy seasons. In yeah, the or you might catch them on a bad day, you know. But but the, but they set the template. Conte's, interestingly, you know, spoke up this quite a lot on Friday about how Klopp, you know, we, 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 we see as one of the best managers in the world, right? But he, it took him four years to win a trophy with Liverpool, I think I'll get mm-hmm. right in saying. And that was the Champions League. Um, and I think I think they set the template in terms of wing-backs as well. I, I, I know we talk about this a lot, but I think the first the first Spurs game I attended this season was a Fulham game. And my 
first observation, and, and Charlie can back me up because I was sat next to him and I said, said it to him, was that the, the wing-backs are, are a weakness here, particularly mm-hmm. in the final third. And he, he just turned to me and was like, well, yeah, duh. Um, and there's nothing I've seen in the last in the last two months that's changed my opinion. And, and you look at Robertson, you look at, I don't know if you saw the match today last night, but Alan Shearer highlighting Kieran Trippier's performances this season. And, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm, this isn't me saying, oh, Spurs shouldn't have sold him, look at him now. I'm just saying if they had a player of his quality or Robertson's quality, I think they'd be, what, six points better off this season if, if they had two top-level wing-backs? Can, I, can I just nip in here and say, if you're putting Robertson and Trippier in the same bracket, you've completely lost it. If we'd been doing this podcast when Kieran Trippier played for Spurs and, and you think I've been harsh on uh, Royale, you should hear what I would have been saying about that guy. Really? Yeah, come on. I, da- Danny wrapped me up on this, I reckon. Um, Danny, you, what's your Kieran Trippier take? Um, that's from Kyle Walker. We have slight, we keep closing the gap. Between, <laughs> progressively worse. I right played back. I played right fullback on Hackney Marshes for many many years when I was a less superbly upholstered individual. Um, and Spurs, are, if you draw a line between between uh, Kyle Walker and me, we're gradually working towards it. And Kieran, I'm not sure Kieran was ever super fit at Spurs. Um, was on his way to that. Um, we're not playing Club Bruges in the Champions League. Benfica have drawn them so far. We're getting, uh, we're getting live analysis. Leipzig, Leipzig will play Manchester City. Bruges, uh, Brugger will play Benfica. Um, Liverpool are up next, so we won't be playing them. Um, very quickly, move on before we get to a break in the in proceedings, and no doubt we'll do the Champions League and the Nottingham Forest game after the break. So no more, I guess, we won't be seeing, no pun intended, Son for the rest of the, for the next two games. Um, and he'll be, I guess, lucky to make it to the World Cup in a mask, will he? Not sure the details in terms of a mask or not, but he had surgery on Friday. He's at home now. And Conte spoke pretty you know, confidently yesterday about his chances of, of making the World Cup, which if Son wasn't going to Qatar, or there was major doubt about going to Qatar, I doubt you would have said, had Antonio Conte saying, I'm pretty confident he's, he's going to be fine for the World Cup. So that's good news. Yes, it is um, for him. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think K- Kevin De Bruyne is the example sort of mentioned from last year when he fractured his eye socket and his nose and was back playing 19 days later. So, um, obviously, the the prospect of of you losing uh, fitness is lessened by the fact that it's a, an eye injury. So you still do his sort of running and whatnot. And um, yeah, hopefully for him. I mean, I'd, I'd be absolutely stunned if he played any part against Leeds next week. I'm sure he won't be doing that. But it looks like he'll be going to the World Cup. Yeah, Liverpool are going to play Real Madrid in the Champions League. Woohoo, as they say. Um, oh, and Spurs will play AC Milan. We'll have a quick break, and when we come back, we'll discuss that Champions League draw. Spurs will play AC Milan. Ledley King looks um, impassive, I can say, on the screen in front of me. Um, and when we come back in a few seconds' time here on The View from the Lane, we'll discuss that Champions League draw where they will play um, AC Milan, the champions of Italy. You're listening to The View from the Lane with Tim Spears, James Moore and me, Danny Kelly. Lennon to take on Yepes here and he's away, Aaron Lennon. Crouch! Yes! Brilliant. Tottenham lead in Milan and Peter Crouch has got a priceless away goal for them. Yeah, welcome back to The View from the Lane with me, Danny Kelly, Tim Spears and James Moore. And as I as pointed out earlier on, um, unusually in the world of, world of podcasting, we're doing a kind of live intercession here because Spurs have drawn AC Milan um, in the draw that's ongoing at the moment in the Champions League. It could have been a much easier draw, Tim. I'll start with you. It could have been a much easier draw. You, there are teams like Brugger who they didn't get and it could have been a much worse prospect 
because, of course, there were one or two really, really problematic teams um, in that draw, including Paris Saint-Germain. What do you make of AC Milan? Definitely could have been worse. Um, also could have been better. I mean, Milan, you know, a, a club on the rise. I think this is the first time they're in the Champions League quarter knockout stages for, for quite a few years. Obvious names that stick out, Olivier Giroud, um, 36, but still banging the goals in. Uh, Divock Origi's there, isn't he, I think, as well? Yeah, um, we've, we've met him before in the Champions League, though, haven't we? He was no problem, no problem at all. Rafael Leao as well, very, arguably, very exciting young guy. The, the most coming player of Brazilian nationality, really, really good indeed. It's, uh, uh, I mean, is there not a possibility he leaves in January, though? Hasn't he been like quite... I mean, Chelsea among clubs, I think, who are meant to be looking at him. Oh, look, oh, look. That would be useful if it, that happened. Oh, no. you know, this is this is part of the, the weirdness of the World Cup in the middle of the season, is that um, who knows what form or personnel any club might have by the time they get... I mean, it's it, it's so nuts. I, I'm amazed that UEFA haven't said that, you know, if you, even if you've played in the Champions League, you'll be allowed to play uh, again in the in, 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 after the World Cup for, for another club. But uh, at the moment, let's assume that the, the teams are the way they are. Um, it, it, it says something, though, that in, in Italy, that they are very reliant on... Uh, Giroud, good though Leao is, of Paris Saint-Germain against Bayern Munich. So all those computer simulations that said that was the most likely draw were correct. Um, that's, that, that is so juicy, isn't it? Um, the uh, Giroud is still their most likely source of goals. At the weekend, he got a really, really athletic goal for a man of his age. Um, it was the, uh, the now fashionable Erling Haaland stretch your leg out rather than try a diving header. Far post. He also forgot that he got a yellow card, um, took his shirt off, and now has a weekend off before the World Cup because he was sent off uh, for his celebrations of the goal. I mean, look, um, we, we, you, you have to play somebody in, in this round of 16, as I say. Uh, it, it, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been better. And maybe James is a case that if you're going to play in the last 16 of the Champions League, and let's be fair, Spurs are... Eighth favourite, so they're unlikely winners. Um, maybe you want to play these, you know, these superpowers of European football, if you like that, or at least um, teams with fantastic track records in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think that is probably about the sweet spot, isn't it? Like a, a massive club, a massive name, going to one of the iconic stadiums, albeit one where Spurs have played quite a few times in the last few years, um, including obviously against AC Milan in twenty eleven. But you wouldn't say one of the kind of five or six strongest teams in Europe. Maybe I'm doing them a massive disservice, and I'm going to end up a beg on my face there. But I'm, I'm not. They're not quite at the level of Real Madrid. Say, I mean, the, you know, realistically, the Premier League teams are probably four of the five or six strongest in that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like a, it's a it's a, it's a name to be feared, but not a team to be feared. I I, I think would sum it up. Yeah, I mean, so Chelsea have beaten them twice in the group stage. And, you know, obviously Chelsea started the season quite well in terms of their performances. But, I, I mean, they've been a bit hit and miss over the course of the last three months, really, haven't they? Yes, um, yeah. They, 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 I mean, their position in the, in the league in Italy, uh, AC Milan, is, um, or Milan, as my um, now dearly loved and departed colleague Ray Wilkins would have called them, Milan, um, is, is a currently in a, it's in a funny place because Napoli... Uh, you know, despite the defeat at Anfield, to my mind, the best team in Europe, the way they're playing, um, are running away with the Italian league at the moment. Um, AC look like they've, they've had a, a bad start to the season. They've had a pretty decent start to the season. And by all accounts, over on the 
Trans Europe Express program I do, they are improving, um, you know, reasonably well. But again, you know, we'll come back from the World Cup. Who knows what frame of mind any club's players will be in? Some of them will have been deep into the tournament. Some of them will have won the tournament. Some of them will be deeply disappointed because they went out in a penalty shootout in the semi-final. Um, and, and and you're right, and then you've got a transfer window uh, in between the qualification and the actual playing of these matches. Um, I guess I, I, I'm happy with AC Milan. Um, I think they're about, you know, they're about a level, the two teams. Um, you know, you can, looking at it with my untrained eyes, they're about equally matched. If we play well, um, and this is why winning the group was so crucial, of course, the second leg at home, since they did away with away goals, has suddenly become very, very much more important than it ever was. You're better off playing. There's an argument the other way around when the away goals are there. Without the away goals, you want to have control of the game for what is essentially the second half. And you have that at home with 60,000 people not booing at halftime, I hope. Um, and and Tim, you know, um, I don't know how, how it's going in the Eccleshare household. I hope and pray all is going superbly well. Um, you'll probably still be with us, Tim. Um, and who knew when you started out at the start of the season, um, watching Wolves um, doddering about in the lower reaches of the Premier League. Doddering. Doddering about in the lower reaches of the Premier League. Um, <laughs> it comes in a swashbuckling yeah, football, let's I'd, 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 Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Who knew you'd be reporting on a side that have got an even chance, I think, a 50-50 chance of making the quarterfinal of the Champions League? And it is, it is, it is a tantalising draw. It properly does whet the appetite. Um, do you know the first the first name I thought of when you said Milan was was Jimmy Greaves actually, um, who yeah. of course uh, the links links by the two clubs. But yeah, um, you know Milan, they've had a sort of a they've not been in the wilderness, but it's 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 taken they, they've had a decade away from 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 winning trophies. They they are they are a resurgent club, um, but they haven't done they haven't done anything in note of Europe for 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 quite some time there. So they're in it. I know they've got experienced players, but they're an inexperienced European team in relative terms so yeah I, th- I, th- I think you've called it right Danny it, it, it feels like a fairly even match up um, but the advantage of the second leg at home is is c- c- could prove decisive you know on the face of it um, of course Antonio Conte will relish playing against an Italian side he'll probably see it as some kind of rehearsal for when he returns to Italy one day um, and at the weekend as well as well as the Giroud thing um, he got that winning goal against Spezia. Spezia's goal was scored by Paolo Maldini's son, um, who is on loan from AC Milan um, and was allowed to play and indeed scored. His father, the legendary Paolo Maldini, was in the crowd. And uh, you know how you say, oh, the player didn't celebrate? Let's, be, let's just say he did not celebrate his son's goal. In fact, he glared at him from across the stadium. It was very good fun indeed. Um, I guess that's you know we're speculating about a match that is months away with a lot a lot between it and now. So I guess that that's enough about about Milan. Unless anyone else has got anything else to add, um, a good draw for Spurs could have been better, could have been worse. And two teams that I think you know would be very grateful to make the quarterfinal of the Champions League. Let's see if Spurs can do it. Of more immediate concern, I guess, is the League Cup. Um, now let me get this right. I think James wants us to throw the game. I don't know what yep. Tim what Tim's um, attitude is, but in, in either case, um, what kind of team will he put out? Presumably, that after the defeat against Liverpool, the game against Leeds is now critical that Spurs get three points from it. Um, I, I'm going to say I'll, I'll I'll open the bidding. I think he should play the reserves, and I mean kids 
against Nottingham Forest. Um, Nottingham Forest can't do that because they've got so many first-team players after their recent splurge in the transfer market that they'll put out their second team. But you won't really, except for the lack of Serge Aurier, their best player, um, you won't notice uh, that the things have changed. Um, Tim, what, what do you what do you think Spurs should do? The fact that um, Antonio Conte won't be appearing at Tuesday's pre-match press conference because he's going to let his assistant do it instead sort of tells you perhaps what he thinks about the game. Um he had uh, he was railing last week about the fact that the fourth round tie is played either three or four days after the World Cup final, which, to be honest, I only realised quite recently when we were looking through the uh, the rotors for the next few weeks that yeah, three days after the World Cup final there is there is a round of EFL uh, cup matches um, sandwiched in between uh, that and the game away at Brentford on Boxing Day. I, I can't see anything other than than eleven changes. To be honest, I, d- I don't see. Who, if anyone, I don't see anyone from the eleven that that played Liverpool starting on Wednesday night. Um, it's 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 just it's so far down the list of priorities. And if you know if 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 Spurs do get through a couple of rounds, that there's a mountain of matches to be played in January. Um, I think they go all the way to the semi-finals of this competition in January. Um, wow, which is just it's just it's it's absolutely ludicrous. So um, it's I'm actually really isn't to the, it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually really looking forward to the match. Um, I mean. Is is Jed Spence going to play though, or or, or no? No, no bring, he'll bring a child out of the under seventeens to play right wing back rather than play Spence, won't he? I don't know. If, if uh, we we talked about this for for a while, that um, Forest away is surely the match that he finally gets to play. But I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Matt Doherty plays at right wing back. No, that wouldn't surprise me either. I've just been trying to work out if if they wanted to make eleven changes from the starting eleven, who would play? And actually, I mean, we don't have there a, are a few eleven gaps, first team players, have we? I mean, you could have. Forster, I'm going through. Good. This, uh, this, is three, this is good four, stuff. Three. Forster, Sanchez, Tanganga, Blank, Spence, Skip, Saar, Blank, Lucas, Hill, Blank. So you're looking for a left-sided centre-back, a left wing-back, and a centre-forward? Yeah, well, they, uh, they, and I'm, I'm, maybe I'm missing something. Oh, they can obvious. play. They can, it's like Harvey White, um, who's been on the bench centre mid. He can play Doherty at left wing back. He's played there before. And they can play Troy Parrott or Dale Dane Scarlett up front. Oh no, they can't. Yeah, just just to confirm about the schedule for this. So 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 um, round three is this week. Round four is is the week immediately after the World Cup final. Round five is the week commencing 9th of January, which is straight after FA Cup third round. And then the semi-finals, week commencing January twenty third, and week commencing January thirtieth. So we'll know the finalists by the end of by the end of January for this competition. Despite the fact we haven't even played round three yet. I mean, I mean, seriously though, uh, James, you 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 did an exercise that I was doing in my head last night. That was before I was talking to Jimmy James Reed. If he really wants to protect the first 11, 14 players, he's going to have to play people from the reserves, isn't he? From the youth teams, from from outside of the first, the regular first team squad, White, Divine, etc. Yeah, maybe, maybe Divine. Yeah, maybe Divine gets a game actually there in midfield. I suppose that would make sense. But yeah, you need a left a left wing back of equivalent quality. Yeah, I don't know. It's a difficult. It's di- I mean, who knows? I, 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 if they play Kano, it is going to be absolutely insane. They can't. If they end up having to fill, no, to fill that gap, they cannot. Sure, sure, surely, not none of the players that are potentially going to the World Cup will play. Will start this match. I can't. I mean, I, I mean, you wouldn't have thought so. No, absolutely. And 
I, I, may, I may disagree philosophically about the game sometimes with Antonio Conte, but he, he's, not, he's not a loon ball as far as we know, is he? He's the opposite. Um, so hopefully, well, it'll be fun to watch what kind of team he puts out. As I say, Forrest will probably rest at their first team as well, um, but uh, they've got so many footballers there at the moment that it'll be Morgan Gibbs-White finally showed why they pay. Did you? I meant to ask you about that, Tim, because were you, were you shocked that Wolves let him go? Were you shocked by how much money they got for him? And he finally showed this weekend what a good footballer he is. I'm not shocked they let him go for £40 million, No, of course, anybody would, yeah. Um, yeah, it just didn't quite... Just didn't quite work out for him at Wolves. Um, fractured relationship with the fans and with the management, and it was uh, when that when the offer came in, it was inevitable that he got. I, I don't think he'd be playing this well for Wolves. To be honest, he needed a fresh start. Um, j- just to go back to, to to the schedule, if you look at if you look at Spurs' fixtures for January at the moment, there are only three three games in there, which are all in the Premier League. But if you do progress in the League Cup, I mentioned there you've got you got you'd have three more in January, so that's six plus two FA Cup games, so you go from three Premier League matches to eight games in January. I don't think Conte's got <laughs> any any pre- any um, preference at all for doing that. You know, with this 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 Milan game, uh, I guess it'll be um, given a date. What later today? Maybe maybe by the time we're recording, you'll know. But mm-hmm. at the moment, that's mid February, so it's either the fourteenth or fifteenth, or the twenty-first or twenty-second for the first leg. You don't want to go into that having played uh, eight matches in January with, with a squad that's on its knees right now. Oh, come on. Who knows? They, they, they may augment the squad significantly in January, he said, tittering behind his hand. Um, listen, thank you both very, very much. Um, if you're listening now, I'm going to do the, the read I normally do about the Athletic, but don't go away because something I want to tell you on the far side of that as well. In the meanwhile, thank you, Tim. Thank you, James. Looking forward to Milan and a lot of water to go under the bridge before we actually play them. Um, as I say, hang on till I finish this uh, usual piece about the fact that if you're not already an athletic subscriber, remember you can sign up to read all the brilliant Spurs coverage this season as well as everything else that's on the site. You just need to go to theathletic.com uh, forward slash Spurs pod and sign up right now for just £1 a month for six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Thursday. But before you go, uh, just a snippet we're going to play you from The Athletic's brand new documentary series, Away From Home, where they've been granted really rare access uh, to Shakhtar Donetsk during their Champions League campaign, of course done in extraordinary circumstances with the war in Ukraine. Uh, Normal lives turned upside down by the Russian invasion. It's a truly remarkable series. And if you like what you hear, you can hear the first three episodes right now by searching for Away From Home, wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a little teaser. Can, can, Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes, yeah. of course. You can ask ask a question. I try to answer. Sure. So, so I suppose to, just to begin, can you explain the past couple of days how how you are, and also if your family is okay? First of all. Yes. Uh, uh, in in the morning of twenty uh, fourth of of the February, we woke walked up after the uh, uh, sounds of bombs. and uh, went to basement. This is the captain of Ukrainian football club Shakhtar Donetsk. His name is Taras Stepanenko, and he's one of the most famous footballers in his country. He was born before the collapse of the Soviet Union. 
He played over 70 times for Ukraine, and he's been with his club since 2010. I called him as war broke out to learn what was happening firsthand. Multiple attacks on cities right across uh, the country. Uh, the foreign minister, uh, Dimitro Kuleba, uh, has, has just tweeted that uh, the country is under full-scale invasion uh, by Russia. I have a wife and three sons, one uh, seven years, one eight and one four. OK. What do you tell them? scared so much and we, we started to read news but my my son they i think they uh, they don't uh, understand clearly what happened now i think they they they're scared too stepanenko's life changed like so many other ukrainians did when russia invaded the country in early 2022 but six months on unlike most men his age he's fortunate enough to do his normal job again, to play football and to play in the Champions League, where the best teams from across the continent face off to be crowned kings of Europe. For Ukraine, football is more than a sport now. It's a unifier. It's a statement to the world that they are strong. And Shakhtar Donetsk is the embodiment of that sentiment. We are showing to all the world that, uh, that uh, we are still alive. Nothing cannot kill us. We are in the war for 2014. It will be difficult to play, but we must play. Unfortunately, we are thinking just about Ukraine now. And uh, if this fucking bastard from Russia think that we will stop to play because of that, we will not stop to play. We'll play and we will win. For The Athletic, I'm Adam Crafton. Over the course of this series, I'll be tracking Shakhtar's unique football journey as they navigate their way through football's toughest contest, all whilst there's a brutal war raging on their doorstep, forcing them out of their own country. You didn't sleep, you, you cannot sleep. Three days, three days without sleep. I'm proud that I'm part of this team, of this club, and today we can be proud because this victory is, is for Ukrainian people, for Ukrainian citizens. It's not only about football now, it's about... To show, that, uh, to show that we are fighting, that we are still alive. <laughs> this is Away From Home, Episode 1, We Believe in Miracles. <laughs>